Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we talk to Jerko Zuvella. He's the MD of Argosi Minerals. They're a lithium company based in Argentina, listed on the ASX. And we discuss their existing operation, the Mitsubishi offtake agreement that they've recently put in place, and what that could mean potentially for the downline as a strategic partner for them. We discuss the pilot plant and how that's performing, plus the lithium market in general, and also the Argentina economy and how that's affecting them. And one big one, we discussed the PEA numbers and should they be updated to kind of give us a sense of what the opportunity is. Hi Jericho, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks very much for your time today. Brilliant, brilliant. So look, um, lovely to talk to you. Um, we're very keen to talk to you know battery metals uh, companies at the moment. It's very topical. I want to find out a little bit about you. So can you give us a one minute summary on the business and we'll get stuck into it. Yeah, Argosy Minerals is focused on its Rincon Lithium project in Argentina in the Salta province. Uh, we've gone about it in an, a slightly unconventional way, whereas we've gone to uh, produce a pilot plant uh, to produce lithium carbonate uh, product. And we've been doing that um, over the last two years where we've been in Argentina and really pushing hard to, to achieve these milestones over the last uh, couple of years, as stated. And, um, and also we've recently acquired a, a lithium brine project in Nevada as well. So we're very much focused on uh, the Rincon project, but also adding in the, the US project as uh, as an option down the track as well. Fantastic, thank you. Um, so let's let's actually let's talk about the recent acquisition in Nevada. Tell us a little bit about that. Why have you done that? And what you know, what's the problem you're trying to solve by doing that? Uh, no problem to try to solve. I think um, what we what we looked at it for was um, another potential brine project in a, in a you know, world-class jurisdiction, which Nevada is. Um, and further to that, I guess, as, as I mentioned in that quick summary, our expertise is very much in chemical processing. Uh, many people think the lithium industry is very much a mining game, but given we produce an end product, a lithium carbonate or potentially lithium hydroxide, they're very much chemical products. And that's where our processing expertise is via our local partner, Pablo Alaralda, who was a former uh, director of processing and technology at FMC's operations in Argentina. So with that background and with that knowledge and the fact that we've gone and produced battery quality lithium carbonate to date so far in our pilot plant in Argentina, we figured another project um, to take on that Argosy strategy uh, uh, to fast track development of, of projects was a good option for us, given the fact that the current vendors uh, weren't able to develop the project or advance the project, we were able to pick it up very cheaply. And therefore, we thought, you know, a cheap acquisition, a cheap entry point, a low risk uh, opportunity. And if we can do something with it that um, takes us takes the project further, given it's within four kilometres of Silver Peak's Albemarle, uh, Albemarle Silver Peak operation, uh, the only lithium carbonate production operation in, in North America, we thought it was a good location. Uh, adding to our experience and expertise that um, maybe we can do something with it in the future. Right. So, I mean, people don't tend to sell their good assets, right? So why was, why were they a seller at this time? Is it because, you know, the state of the lithium market, they didn't have the expertise, they didn't have the cash? I mean, why, why are they sellers? They IPO'd off this project, uh, Lithium Consolidated, uh, back three years ago. So they, I think they... 
obviously they had limited funds. Uh, drilling and associated works in in Nevada, um, especially in that part of the part of the world for that that brine is is not cheap, I guess. Uh, and uh, I guess they were cognizant of, of spending all their money on one project, given they've got a few other uh, opportunities. So um, and and they didn't do a lot of work on it. So you know, I don't think it's quite uh, fair to say that. They've given away a good project. We think we'll turn it into a good project. Um, but, you know, they very much gave away a, an early stage project to focus on other opportunities, I guess. Right. Okay. And so you decided to uh, mitigate your risk by get, moving jurisdictions. You've got Argentina, you're now in the US, you're slightly safer jurisdiction, obviously, with what's going on in Argentina um, with regards to the, you know, the, the politics and exchange rate, et cetera. Um, have you got enough money to develop that? I mean, what's your cash position at the moment? Yeah, we raised uh, just over $9 million in um, April this year. Mm. So we've still got, I think, as per the last quarterly, about $7.5 million Australian in the bank. Um, so that gives us enough funds to be able to do a first stage of exploration at the, the Tonopah project in the US, uh, which, you know, based on the existing uh, gravity works or geophysical works that have been done, we think, you know, we don't have to invest too much into the ground to understand the potential, uh, you know, of, of the project as well. So, again, low risk um, without too much exposure to understand what might be there. And if we're lucky enough that uh, we do find some good quality brine, as we've got obviously next door in the Elmale project, that's when we start putting the Argosy strategy to it and, and look at a fast track development strategy. And so what does fast track mean? I mean, in reality, is it permitted? I mean, what, what do you need to get in place? And you know, how much cash are you going to need to actually move it to the next stage? Uh, just that uh, first part of your query there. Fast track, I guess what we've uh, made it out to mean is taking a project from very early stage, next to nothing in Argentina, to producing battery quality lithium carbonate within the space of a couple of years. Now, when you look at our peers, uh, there's not a lot, obviously, in the in the South American space. And given that Albemarle or Silver Peak operation has been in operation for over 50 years, um, there hasn't been too many other companies progressing into lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide operations and, and, and production. Obviously, Oricobre is their main peer, and, and, and they've done that over the course of probably about seven to, to 10 years. Uh, and obviously, we're not at their stage yet, but uh, we think by proving the processing technology, which is the most critical part of the lithium business, prove your chemical process, prove your product. That means you can you can obviously fast track development to you know full commercial scale production at some point in the near future. Right, but there's, so there's there's a couple of things there. So fast track, I appreciate you've done it in two years, and you know when you compare it to others before you, that's much, much quicker. But do you think other new entrants coming into the lithium space, should they wish to, um, have you got anything proprietary, as unique, as a unique IP to you? Or do you think other people will get into production quickly too going forward? That is the challenge. And I think that's what's halted uh, a lot of those uh, companies that have gone into Argentina and, and South America in general, and, and probably North America around that Clayton Valley area. They all get to the stage where they do feasibility studies and they stop there. And I think the, the critical part is they don't have the chemical processing expertise to produce battery quality lithium carbonate product. Now, we've seen it in South America. You've had the big boys, you know, POSCO has been there for a long time. Aramet's been there a long time. The Sentient Group's been there for a long time. These guys have been there well over 10 years and none of them are in production. 
So the chemical processing is very much the critical component of this business. And if you don't have that, uh, you don't have that processing expertise or a person that's been there and done that for, for numerous years, like our, our partner, um, Mr. Alaralda in at FMC for 15 years, mm. you just can't you just can't take a project to production. Okay, so it's not necessarily a proprietary technology. It's a case of there's very few people with the relevant experience and track record of doing it. That, that's the that's the very that's the major so. barrier to entry. So just coming back to what you're doing in Nevada in terms of fast tracking that, I mean, seven million bucks is not a lot of money. You've got two projects now. What's your focus going to be? How are you going to spend that money? Because you're going to need to raise some money, presumably, at some point in the future too. Yep. So the we're definitely our focus and priority and, and full commitment is still on the Rincon project. Um, as I mentioned, we've, we've constructed the pilot plant and we've got a sales agreement with Mitsubishi Corporation, RTM Japan, uh, for the product from that pilot plant. And we've also just announced last week uh, non-binding heads of agreement for the, uh, yeah. for, with Mitsubishi again. Yeah, yeah. I do want to come on to that, but I, want, I just want to finish off in Nevada because it's a, it's a new thing. You've decided to do it. It is cheap, but you're going to spend some money and some time there. And I want to understand why you've done that. What's the thinking in terms of the, the strategy? Why Nevada? Why a new project? You know, And how much time and effort are you going to put into this to take it to what point? What's the thinking? In the short term, um, like I said, we expect to do some geophysical surveys, uh, which won't cost a lot of money, um, you know, less than half a million dollars. So we don't need to spend a lot of money to understand what we may have there. Once we know what we have there, then we can set our strategy up. But uh, in the short term or the immediate uh, term, uh, it's really just gonna be finding out what is there to then understand what we need to do thereafter. But like I said, without laboring the point, um, that is not a priority for us at the moment. Okay, okay. And, but you've made that conscious decision. The board or the management team has made a conscious decision. Part of your strategy was to diversify slightly, appreciate where you can spend your time. But given the market, the lithium price is coming down, forecasts are coming down, you know, as low as 7,000, if you believe Morgan Stanley, um, by, you know, 2021. So, you know, the market is... in. in challenged so why go and spend money time and effort now on a new asset what, what again what's the strategy what, what do you think the end game is there well the end game is to to replicate what we have done in argentina and and obviously what we are looking to do in argentina so given there's a re existing operation within four or five kilometers we think we can do something similar ultimately uh, at our project in nevada also and what what is it that this uh, nearby project is doing that you think is so good that you want to replicate? You know what they're doing. Like I said, it's the only lithium brine operation in North America producing lithium carbonate. They produce approximately four thousand tons per annum from the project, um, and would be you know, given uh, what we've done and what we're looking to achieve in the near term at Rincon. We think we can apply the same strategy right. and do the same at Nevada over the you know the course of the next few years. Are they making money? Very difficult to understand the financials of Albemarle, SQM, and uh, and FM's on live end at the moment. So, um, you know, you don't keep an operation going for fifty years if it's not making money. So, I presume they are making money. Um, obviously, probably made more money uh, prior to the the price coming down. But you know, I presume there's not too much 
uh, costs there besides the, the operating costs. So it, it, you'd think it'd be a, you know, based on you know, industry standards that it should be a profitable operation. Right, right, yeah. I, I get that they have been low, you know, lowest quartile producers, but which which helps. But as you say, perhaps don't necessarily understand the full economics there to be able to make that make that evaluation today. Okay, well, like I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, I totally understand the the logic of going and spending time and effort to on the new asset, but you're going to make an evaluation and I guess come back to the market and tell them what you've learned, right? So let's move on to the existing operation. You've got a pilot plant, which is fantastic. As you say, you're producing. That's great. You've done. You've signed an off-take agreement with Mitsubishi, big company, well-known company. Are you, what, what was the point of doing that? I mean, off-take is an off-take. It's just an option, right? And given the market, there's a lot of lithium around. Was that the beginning of a strategic partnership or is it just a pure off-take? We'd like to think it's, uh, well, you know, it's a strategic relationship. Uh, as I mentioned, for the pilot plant, we signed a sales agreement back in March with Mitsubishi. Um, and prior to that, they've been working with us to get to that point you know, for the previous 12, 15 months. So we've established a good long-term relationship with them. We've made it very clear, or I think the market has made it very clear, uh, or the lithium market, that you do need a strategic partner to uh, develop a lithium project. And the reason for that, obviously, is is uh, you know the limited funding options available. Uh, on the converse or on the reverse, uh, these large companies that we've seen enter into the lithium space want security of supply. Um, so you know that's the the trade-off. They're they're looking for long-term security of supply. We're looking for finance to build a project. And I guess these small baby steps that we're taking, uh, given we've seen some, you know difficulties arise in the lithium market as you know we saw with Namaska earlier this year and you know some others it's very difficult to, to bring new lithium projects into production and therefore these baby steps the pilot plant moving to the 2000 ton per annum plant which we signed the HOA for uh, last week mm. these are the steps to give comfort to these potential strategic um, partnerships right so so I just want to clarify for your investors because there's a lot of chat and you know the, a confusion in the chat rooms and forums and stuff around you know what, what it's going to mean. So um, Mitsubishi presumably have lots of options, lots of offtake agreements because they're you know they're, they're you know they are what they are. There's, there's lots of them around, so it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to give you the money to build the plant. So can I just ask a question directly? Have you spoken to them or given them indication that that's what you would like from that relationship? We've been very direct with them. Uh, their Japanese counterparty, Toyota and Toyota Susho, have done the same thing with Orocobre in the past. So we're using that as a guide, uh, what we'd like to achieve with Mitsubishi RTM in the, in the long run as well. So very much a comparable uh, situation to, to reference, and we're hopeful that we can move along that same sort of pathway. Okay, and have you got any sort of sense of the, you know, how much money you're looking for and what type of money and what would Mitsubishi's contribution be to that? Uh, in terms of our capex um, funding, we've, we we did a PEA and released that back uh, late last year, which outlined a $140 million capex cost for the full 10,000 tonne per annum commercial operation. And we've also um, released information on this interim step, the 2,000 tonne per annum plant uh, will need about a $14.3 million US uh, capex requirement for uh, to construct that. Now, uh, that's, that's a little bit lower than... Um, 
what we initially required, but that's because we've already invested in the evaporation ponds. We've built enough evaporation ponds. Uh, currently, 38 hectares are in operation, which can produce enough brine lithium concentrate uh, to produce 2,000 tonnes of lithium carbonate product uh, from the plant per annum. So, I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about that. So, the PEA came out late 2018. Um, presumably, what sort of what numbers were you using for that? Because obviously, lithium price was very different from what it is today. So, the IRR, the NPV, it's all changed. Have you reassessed that? No. Uh, so, obviously, a lot of those numbers will come down because we did use, we use benchmark minerals as our price forecasters. Uh, and they set a, a, a price of $13,000 per tonne. Obviously, it's a lot lower now, so we need to revisit that. And that's the reason, I guess, early this year, uh, we made the conscious decision to uh, turn our attention away from moving to full-scale uh, production or op an operation to this intermediate step of 2,000 tonnes again. Just a smaller step, lower risk, less capex requirement, hopefully a little bit easier to achieve than waiting around for, for that $140 million to, to come through the door. Right, and that, so that you hope that gets you into some sort of cash flow. It won't get you into positive cash flow, presumably. No, no, we expect it to be positive cash flow. We we okay. um, we expect our, our cost to be reasonably uh, a little bit higher than um, what would what it would be for a full commercial scale operation. But uh, even at these lower prices, we think um, you know we can make some good profits. Okay. Um, on on the stage two two thousand ton per annum plant. Okay, and you, that's based off of the pilot plant numbers. I mean, can you give us an update on you know how that's performing? Because it's been sort of running for a while now. The pilot plant's only been running for about a month and a half now. Yeah. Uh, the first month was just uh, getting getting um, things going in a continuous manner, uh, ironing out a few of the little um, issues that you do have whenever you you start a plant, and then we've um, but we've been producing lithium carbonate product. Um, that's still in its infant stages, but we expect over the next uh, short while to, to you know, produce at a consistent rate that we can feed into the, the sales agreement that we have. Um, but uh, at the same time, given our limited um, human resources, we still need to keep fully focused on that 2000 tonne per annum plant. That's where we think our best bang for buck is. Right. The pilot plant really is to be able to show the customer that we can produce a consistent quality battery grade product uh, and use the pilot plant for that means. Uh, the pilot plant was never really set up to be a continuous production operation, but uh, given the state of the market, we've felt that that's been able to assist us to procure good quality customers and obviously uh, show the market that what we're capable of. Right, so I think technically that's gonna show the market what you're capable of. Can we talk about the economics around that? Um, obviously, if you can, well, I mean, tell us what you think you're going to be able to do because you've got seven and a half million bucks in the bank. You've got some GNA obviously going on there and, and some you know committed costs already. Of the fourteen point three for the for the plant, the interim plant, how much are you going to go and need to raise to get that going? Well, we'll need to raise the majority of that amount, if not the full capex amount. Obviously, like you said, we don't want to be left with um, minimal funds in play. Uh, the existing funds can be used as, as a bit of a contingency if required, but we'd be looking to raise the full capex amount, and that's what we're working on with you know, various parties. Uh, unfortunately, the, the lithium market is not what it used to be 18 months ago, where companies were making prepayments and so forth, so it's a little bit more challenging. Um, but we're working as best we can to, 
to bring that money in uh, under the most you know, favorable circumstances for our shareholders and, and you know, try to avoid as much dilution as possible, um, but be able to, to bring a project in, into production. Okay. Uh, we're obviously very cognizant of some of the debt issues coming around with Australian lithium producers as well. So again, it's a fine balance to, to, to consider the, the best way to fund the, this intermediate um, plant. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is very challenging to work out how to do this because your existing shareholders will be like, we're anti-dilutory, of course. Um, you're cognizant of getting yourself into a position where, you know, this plant will produce, you'll be able to sell, but is it going to be enough to be able to pay back any debt that you may be able to secure? It, it, it's a, I get it. It's a, it's a tough one. It's really, really tough. But, you know, in... In ASX, lithium's a kind of dirty word at the moment. It's like, you know, there's a lot of uh, people struggling, a lot of companies struggling at the moment. There's a lot of new entrants thinking of coming in should the price recover. Forecast suggests it's not going to. Shareholders are a little bit disillusioned. I mean, how are you managing this? You're trying to run a business, but you got to talk to investors. What are you saying to them? Yeah, very hard. It's been very challenging and, and perhaps that's why we're still in a position we're in at the moment. We haven't secured that funding yet. Uh, we were lucky enough we did a good capital raise, like I said, a couple of months ago uh, to at least give us some options. Uh, you know, perhaps another reason uh, for that optionality in Nevada as well to be able to move project, you know, move that project forward for, for little or minimal funds. Um, but we, we feel very confident that we can go and raise uh, that 2,000 tonne per annum capex funds uh, in the near term um, and once we we get that obviously we're, we're, we're very committed to, to get up and running on that we're obviously started uh, procuring and, and looking at um, solutions for for plants and equipment but uh, how do you manage and, and keep shareholders expectations um, high very difficult I guess what we keep selling to our shareholders is that we think we are one of the very few lithium production companies that will get into production and that we do have the necessary skill set and expertise to take it all the way through. And I guess, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel or the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow really is the fact that we can get into production. Uh, we will be, a, you know, hopefully a producing company. And you can see with some of our peer comparisons, whether it's Oricobre or, or the bigger guys, uh, there is a, a very large uh, gap uh, or, you know, a market share that could be created if, if and when we, we can do that. So the potential upside is, is still large enough to, to keep our shareholders reasonably satisfied. But obviously, um, you know, it's very hard to achieve that at the moment, but that's obviously what we're aiming for. Yeah, I mean, again, some data from Morgan Stanley forecasts. They're saying Argentina, Australia and Chile could add as much as 500,000 tonnes of lithium into the market by 2025. That's double what it is today. That's a lot of new product coming in it doesn't kind of bode well for the price but if you can mine and process profitably you know maybe it's not maybe it's not such a problem and you know that you know brines are to, well known for being you know cheaper to produce than a lot of the aussie rock lithium so what how are you adjusting your strategy given the change in the market since when you started to today it's a very different marketplace What's the mindset here? What are you talking about? What's keeping you awake at night? What are you doing about it? Well, I think we've, we've had to be you know, dynamic and we've had to be flexible. And, and like I said, we've, we've gone down this intermediate step now of this 2,000 tonne per annum plant. And I think 
you know, a $14.3 million capex is not insurmountable for a company our size, which is you know, at the moment about a $95 million market, Aussie dollars market cap company. Um, you know, if, if worst case scenario eventuated, you know, we think we can raise equity to do that. Obviously, uh, that's not the ideal situation. Um, but you know, if we can have a hybrid of, of structures for, for financing that, uh, we think that is a, a very much a near term potential uh, goal and something that is achievable. And um, you know, that's where we've had to be a little you know, flexible. Uh, at the same time, what's keeping you awake, obviously maximizing shareholder returns, uh, which means you know, we think our best bang for buck is getting into production of 2000 tons per annum. You know, from the discussions we've had with various strategic groups, I think that will de-risk the project greatly. It will be a pathway to the full commercial scale um, of the project, the 10,000 tonnes per annum. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to, um, you know, take a step back to go two or three or four steps forward. And we think, you know, this intermediate step, uh, secure the funding. Once we show that, again, in the knowledge that it's very difficult to do that and there perhaps won't be as many companies around doing that at that point in time, the market opens up and um, you know, our, our strategic partner or partners can see what we've achieved. And obviously the, the main issue is the product quality. And, and we will obviously be testing that with potential parties all the way through this pilot plant process. And as long as they get the quality specifications that they require, then I don't think there's any issue um, from going from 2000 to 10,000 in an orderly fashion. Yeah, but you, and you've got to be able to do that economically. You've got to be able to make money, I think is, is my point here. I mean, that's right. For lithium uh, companies, it's been a brutal year. I think it's been especially difficult in Argentina, obviously, with what's gone on with the, you know, uh, was it the election, the, the political scene, exchange rate, it's taken a hammering. It's, you know, people forget it's a really good mining jurisdiction, or jurisdictions, you know, which depends which states you're in, but these fundamental components of mining in a country, this jurisdictional risk component, that's made it a lot more difficult for you. I mean, how are you handling that? What's your perception of what's going on in Argentina? How's it affecting you? Touch wood, um, it hasn't affected us greatly to date. Uh, we obviously came into the country in 2016 and, and President Macri had been elected. So he obviously opened up a lot of uh, business opportunities for the foreign investors like us. Uh, we're obviously still at that position. We've got a very good relationship um, with our uh, provincial regulatory bodies, uh, which obviously control the mineral rights in, in the country. That's the provinces own the mineral rights. So we have a very good relationship with the, the mines department in Salta. Uh, they've been giving us all of our approvals in, 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 uh, in good time. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got a very good relationship with them. We don't see that changing, you know, depending on whatever happens with the federal election. Um, but, you know, as we've seen, um, you know, if, if there is a change of government and, and, and what that's causing in terms of currency devaluation, uh, again, doesn't affect us too much. Most of our costs are in US dollars. The chemicals that we buy, which is the largest of the operating costs, is all based in US dollars. Uh, our local employees are based, obviously, uh, paid in, in local currency. So when there is a devaluation in the short term until inflation sort of uh, catches up, uh, it's actually a benefit for us because our, our US dollar is getting us further than it was previously. So um, as long as the country doesn't shut down and there's no protectionist policies coming to play in the, in the near term, um, you know, we don't, 
we think it's business as usual and it will continue being business as usual. And again, um, quoting our, 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 you know, our, our friends at Oricobre who built their project and did a great job at doing that. They did that during the former regime. So we don't think there's any issues um, you know, that may impact us too greatly to build a project, uh, no matter what the, the, the government at the time or whatever government's elected um, in, a, in a few months' time. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I think both parties are talking a good game with regards to mining. So, as you say, touch wood. We'll see what happens there. Can we? So let's talk. Let's talk about why investors invest in your business. Okay, they they want the share price to appreciate. They want it to grow. We've been talking about some dilutory components here. So, what? Why should? Why should current investors? When new investors thinking of investing in you have reason to be hopeful about what the future looks like in terms of share price appreciation. Yeah, and we've had some great share price appreciation during the times when lithium was obviously a lot more in favour. But even in recent times, over the last, let's say, 12 months, we've been able to, um, you know, have our share price jump substantially based on on good announcements, on good milest- achieving good milestones. Um, but you're, whether that you're, was achieved, you're done. Your your year high is twenty eight cents. You're sitting around eight nine cents at the moment. So I mean, that's what people are going to be looking at, isn't it? Yeah, well, we think so, and we obviously our job is to try to get it back to those levels as quickly as possible. Uh, even when we announced the the Mitsubishi sales agreement back a few months ago, the the share price jumped from nine to sixteen. Now. Those sort of things, obviously, for the short-term uh, retail shareholders, there's there's milestones that are coming up that can have immediate impact in the share price. But also, if you play a bit of a longer game, starting uh, production and, and selling product to Mitsubishi from the pilot plant in coming months, um, getting uh, started on the 2,000 tonne per annum plant, again, another big milestone, and building that over the course of the next 12 to 15 months, uh, we think you know the closer we get to production, the more the market will appreciate what we're doing and start uh, valuing us closer to our our peers that are above us, which is obviously Oricobre, the main one, but even Lithium Americas, who's in development at the moment, they've got a market cap substantially higher than ours, three or four times higher than us. So we think there's some you know, some share price appreciation to be made. Uh, based on developing our project further, but I mean, they, they, those are hardly peers, though. You can't compare yourself to Oricobre at this point. I think that's that's a bit of a leap. Um, uh, and I appreciate there are some good things happening that you've been you've been active, keeping some you know things moving. But do you think with the dilution component, with your requirement to raise equity, it's going to be enough to you know, see a meaningful bump. I mean, you you need to see a sort of three times, three and a half times bump in your share price today. And that's not going to come from an offtake agreement off the back of a interim, you know, plant, is it? Um, well, firstly, let me just um, say that uh, obviously we've been high share price, but some of our peers, even in the in the on the ASX within the spodumene market. They're valued at you know probably two to two and a half times our value. Now they're probably behind us in terms of development of their projects. So again, it's obviously um, you know sometimes you need to be flavour of the month to, to get that uh, appreciation in the market. But um, you know once we start building, you know, and we can show 
not only retail shareholders, but institutional shareholders or in potential investors, what we're looking to do and how we're achieving that. I think once you get interest in the stock based on what we are doing, it's achievable. Going from $100 million to $200 million market cap uh, in the short term is very much our target and very much something we think we can achieve on the back of moving with those immediate uh, milestones uh, and achieving them in the short term. Right, okay. Because if I look at people like Millennial Lithium who seen great peaks and they've dropped off and they're trying to do deals in Asia and um, the share price has been hammered, right? It, I think the general perception in the marketplace, ASS especially, Lithium, there's a lot of white noise, it's all just chatter, um, it's, but it's out of favour. Is, is part of your strategy sitting back and hoping that the, the, the lithium space recovers or do you think you're in control of the moving parts? We can't afford to wait for the lithium market to recover. Obviously, that would be a very good advantage and big advantage for us to do that. Um, but you know, these are the times in these tough times uh, that you can develop and build projects and obviously perhaps don't get the same reward in terms of value as you would have in good times but we think by doing it now when the good times do roll back around hopefully not too far away that our appreciation can be multiplied based on the work we've done in these leaner times now a lot of companies like you said may sit back and wait or put their projects on on standby we're very much focused on again using that word fast tracking our development building that 2000 ton per annum plant because like I said, that would put us in the category of a commercial producer, an economic producer and a profitable producer, which gives us cash flow. And it makes us very much more marketable to not only retail shareholders, but institutional and much larger funds, uh, because we are going into a space that I think people do realise in the next, you mentioned 2025, the production sort of supply amount and so forth. But in that sort of time frame, and sure, that's probably a lot longer than, you know, current shareholders would like to think, but there is a game sort of changing event coming along and we have to be patient. But when that does come along, and, and again, we're not sort of, our, our focus can't be just on near-term share price appreciation. It needs to be on building a business. And that's very much our focus on building a business that's gonna be around for the next 20 years. And we need to be a little bit patient at times, but also at the same time, look to maximize value over the longer term rather than just immediate sort of uh, rewards for, for, for you know, existing shareholders. If people believe in us, we know we can achieve it. And um, you know, when the good times do roll back, um, we think we can really reward our, our patient shareholders. So you're looking for investors to get behind you, not traders. All shareholders are very good, uh, whatever shareholders they are, but definitely if people can appreciate what we're trying to achieve, and have got that bit of patience, mm. uh, we think we can do very well for them, yes. So what's the only thing that's gonna stop you? Well, obviously securing the finance, as you said, we don't wanna be jumping into any dilutionary equity sort of racings. That's very much last resort. Um, but again, it's sometimes, as I said, you need to take a step back to go a step forward, but it really is just um, securing that funding and again, you know, we're reasonably confident that that will happen at some point in time in the near term. But, you know, we have a great relationship with Mitsubishi. We have great partner with that processing expertise in Argentina. We think we've got the jigsaw pieces. We've been putting them together for the last couple of years. A few more to go. 
um, but we really think we can achieve that. So again, I don't think there's anything that will stop us. Um, I don't think I'm being an optimist by saying that. I really do think we have all the jigsaw pieces. We don't even have to, so we probably even have them numbered so we know exactly where they go. It's just that taking the time to put them in their right places uh, to allow us to get to, to where we want to get to. Right, okay. So you have all the permits that you need for now. Obviously, you'll require further secondary tertiary permits as you go forward. Um, message to shareholders is don't worry. We're not distracted by our new acquisition. We're focused on core business. We think the pilot plant has shown us that we can produce. And with this interim plant, we can get into some kind of revenue. Whether or not it's economic, but it should show that we can move forward with a 10,000 ton per annum plant if and when we get that financed. Yep, our estimates show you know that based on current um, sales prices that the, the, the interim uh, plant will be you know a, a, a viable proposition. So we think that will really jumpstart us moving forward. But uh, very much agree with all your other comments right. there and wrapping up. And, and obviously, we're very keen to try to achieve that as quickly as possible. And, and are you just finish off on that because you made the point. Are you going to update your PEA financial assessment? I mean, given that PEAs can have a kind of big variance, are you going to update that based on up-to-date numbers? It's not in the immediate term at the moment. Uh, we're very much focused on securing that funding for the 2000 tonne per annum plant. Once we do that, obviously, if there is a strategic partner involved, we will work together with them on whatever is required to achieve um, you know, the outcome for the commercial scale. And if we need to update the PA to a, a, a full feasibility, that's what we'll be looking to do. Brilliant. Jericho, thank you very much for your time today. Honest appraisal of the situation. Up. Appreciate it. Um, we look forward to staying in touch and hearing how you're getting on. Exciting times. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.